Wastari girls are dancing their way around Australia, where they grew up, and will soon perform across Indonesia, where the troupe is deeply rooted. I recently spoke with two of the stars of the culturally packed show, Laura Reinwald and Mira Mullane, whose mother established an Indonesian dance academy here in Melbourne almost 30 years ago. I began by asking Ms Mullane how Indonesian dance found its footing in the Western world of Australia. Mm, um, yep, yeah, sure. So my mum migrated to Australia in about, I think it was 1989. And at that time, she found it quite hard to integrate into society here. She thought there weren't a lot of Indonesians here, or that's what she thought. And um, so she started going to the consulate, the local Melbourne consulate, Indonesian consulate here in Melbourne. And she realised there were actually there was actually quite a big group of Indonesian, like Indonesians in Melbourne. So the community was actually quite well, not big back then, but there was still quite a fair few um, Indonesians here. And um, so in Indonesia, she used to go to um, a dance and theatre school in, I think it was Bandung, so West Java. This was during her university studies. And um, since then, she's kind of had this long, you know, this dream of starting her own dance group and um, promoting Indonesian culture, but abroad so that, you know, she can promote Indonesian culture. And, you know, she, she realized there was actually quite a lot of um, general misconceptions about Indonesians. And a lot of her friends here didn't really understand a lot about the culture. And she thought this was a good way to kind of tap into her passion, but also, you know, I feel like she's making a difference here while she's, you know, living here. And um, so it was a good way for her to not only meet other Indonesians and get them to join the group and, you know, expand her social group, but also become more confident as well with her English. She found that she got a lot more confidence in speaking English and um, networking with Australians here, trying to sell her group or trying to promote her group as well so that she could get a lot more bookings for incursions, festivals, different events in Melbourne. And she she's noticed that in the amount of bookings she does get, it kind of correlates as well with what's happening in Indonesia at the moment which is kind of quite sad but at the same time it's quite interesting so she's noticed that she's had a lot less bookings over time depending on what's going on in Indonesia so during the Bali bombings during that time she found that she had a lot less bookings and she didn't have a lot of schools that were calling her back for a lot of these kind of events and she noticed there's obviously there's a lot of uh, negative there's a lot of negative images coming out of Indonesia and she just really wanted to kind of overcome that so that kind of pushed her to continue doing this and about the dance group itself how how do you define the dance what you do i mean it's traditional dance now i'm going to ask you to explain traditional indonesian dance within a i guess a western anglo concept okay i think it's actually quite hard to define it's a bit it's a bit of a vague term traditional indonesian dance and when you try to describe it to my friends or australian friends here i find it very difficult because like Indonesia is made up of more than 17,000 islands and we cover dances from the east to the west like every island is so distinct in their own culture so it almost seems as though that there's a lot of different cultures within Indonesia itself so when I say traditional dancing the like the automatic response from my friends is definitely oh so Balinese dancing and it's like it's not just Balinese dancing we do tribal dances from Papua from Ambon from the east to the west um, uh, Sumatra as well so 
depending on which island it, we perform from, it's a completely different dance, a different costume, different music, different instruments. So sometimes it's very surprising for people here if we're like performing at a multicultural festival, everyone's like, oh, where is this dance from? I'm like, this is actually from Indonesia. And they just don't believe it because it's something that they just don't see in the media. Like you don't, you're just not aware of it. And so that's what my mum loves as well, is just creating awareness because there is just a, a lack of awareness here of what Indonesian culture is because it is just so diverse. Laura, your background is uh, Irish, Catholic, English... So, uh, how, how did you tie up with uh, Mira and the dance troupe? So I met Mira when we were in Yogyakarta together on exchange in 2012 and I'd been learning Indonesian since I was in grade five and I've really enjoyed it and all, like always learning like more and more and um, yeah we met up in Jogja when we were on the same exchange program and she had mentioned that her mum runs a dance school in Melbourne and for traditional Indonesian dancing and I just thought that was a really great way to, um, I guess, like continue to be part of the Indonesian community in Melbourne and to continue learning about like Indonesian language and culture because there is so much that you can learn about Indonesia through dance. It's quite interesting how like different dances do reflect like the different cultural norms and practices that like occur in different islands. It is a really great way to understand Indonesia really well. And it is, um, yeah, it's also just something that is incredibly fun to do. Um, I've met a lot of amazing people through it. Um, and I've also had a lot of like incredible opportunities through like performing with this group of girls and it's good. <laughs> what, what, what are you? What are some of your um, uh, favorite moments of being on stage? I'll start with Laura and we'll get to you in a minute. Probably. Mm. Some of my favourite moments. Um, all, all embarrassing moments. <laughs> there have like, I mean, I do remember one time. It was at um, it was at a primary school, and I think we were still getting ready on the side of the stage, which was just like like an asphalt centre, and the music just started. And I think this was for Tor Tor, the Sumatran dance that we did. I think all of us were kind of everywhere, and we all just like came from different points of the stage and just sort of worked our way into our formation, and it was quite. It was interesting because we were a little bit behind in the music and I think another girl who dances with us, Mira's sister Yana, she was kind of guiding us through the dance the whole time because, yeah, it was just moments like that. They're quite fun. Um, it was very spontaneous and it was great because um, we were all having fun up on stage and we were all smiling and the crowd still loved it and we were able to engage with the audience as well and it was good. But it was definitely like in those moments sometimes, like you look back and laugh, but it was a little bit stressful at the time. <laughs> So, yeah. Mira? Yeah, as you can imagine with Indonesian dancing or performing in general, there's a lot of improvisation that's needed because things just don't work sometimes. And in terms of like the stress, I completely agree because there are so many occasions where the CD starts skipping or, you know, the music doesn't work or it just stops. So there was one, um, there was one, I think one incident when we were performing for um, a festival at Melbourne Town Hall and um, the music just stopped halfway and it was just me and my sister dancing and so being the professionals we are my sister just started singing halfway through the song uh, so just sung the rest of the dance because we know these dances like the back of our hand we just we've done them so many times so it gets to the point where we can actually dance each dance to any kind of song or you know we can just sing along and we can just remember the movement so my sister just sung for the rest of the three minutes and she just sung us off the stage and you know just created like a authentic Indonesian feel I guess because she was singing Indonesian so it was quite funny. 
You were up on, uh, was it Australia's Got Talent, The Voice, uh, which program were you up on? Um, we were up on Australia's Got Talent and we auditioned for this year's this year's show with the 2016 one and it was interesting definitely like an experience I think we all went in just kind of thinking like oh we'll just you know try out for fun but we ended up getting past like that first initial audition into actually being able to perform which is quite something given that um, these programs uh, tend to um, focus more on popular music rock and roll the kind of catchy stuff that gets in an audience which is not necessarily what you do I think you're a little more highbrow than that yeah um, yeah it was definitely quite different Um, a lot of the acts before and after us were I guess your more traditional acts that you see on these type of shows, um, like just singing or there was like a, there was a pole dancer and there was like some cowgirls performing and I think there was like a robot man as well. So it was all quite strange, but yeah, it was really good. The judges comments at the end, I think were a little bit disappointing, um, to be honest, because they, they seemed a little bit hesitant to make a comment about what we were doing. And I think it just came from them being so worried about not wanting to say anything that might offend like religion or culture or something and so unfortunately like it sounds like australian television in that they're they're quite they're they're competent if they're talking about jimmy barnes or cold chisel but when it comes to a little bit outside their scope of thought it um they, they get a little lost yeah um they completely froze and i think they just took a okay we need to be pc here and just yeah so it was a little bit I think hard to sort of convey what we were doing but as in to them and yeah it was but it was a good experience overall even just like um we met Dave Hughes backstage and who's Dave Hughes an Australian comedian yeah Australian comedian um who does uh radio in the mornings here in Australia what what do you think Marie you have um you're you know dinky die Australian but you've got a Put in both camps and given your background going back so far in your mother's history how did you find I guess it's a competition in popular culture really how do you how did you find that whole or, uh, ordeal um, yeah I found it interesting as well same as Laura but again I found it a bit disappointing because well I think for me as well being kind of immersed in both cultures from a young age I feel very close and connected to both so it does make me a bit sad when the cultures aren't in harmony, if that makes sense. Um, in terms of like the relationship between Indonesians and Australians, it obviously means a lot to me because it's important to me. And um, so just the lack of, I, I wouldn't say um, interest, but with the judges, I could see there was quite a lot of ignorance as well. And I can see that probably for the mass audience, it would be the same deal. And this is probably why we didn't progress as a group because it didn't quite tick the boxes in terms of what would be entertainment or what would, you know, really be part of the popular culture here. But isn't that one of the problems in, in, in the sense that I, I, I've noticed over the last 10 or 15 years that more of these programs, it's not necessarily about culture, it is about ticking boxes, it's about a process. It's about impressing this person, that person, to moving up the food chain. It's about reality television if you want to get a record contract, which is not quite... It's not quite the way ACDC started as a, you know, whether they were a garage band or this kind of thing. But you are taking this a lot further, and I understand that there's a tour coming up of Indonesia. Can you uh, tell us a little bit more about that? 
So we were actually invited by the Ministry of Tourism in Indonesia. So they got in touch with my mom and, you know, they found it interesting because they saw us online and they could saw, they saw our videos on YouTube and they found it fascinating that there are Australians out there who actually love it to dance and perform Indonesian dancing in Australia. Um, so, you know, you see a lot of um, foreigners come to Indonesia, learn the dancing and perform over there, but there's not a lot of groups that you hear of where it's the majority of our group are actually Australians or half Australian and half Indonesian. So we're a very mixed group. It's not just Indonesians performing traditional Indonesian dance. And so I think that's also what the audiences here find quite interesting is when they come up to us and talk to us, they're quite surprised that we all have perfect English. We all have Australian accents that it's like, oh, so how long have you been in Australia for? Like, do you speak English? And we're like, yes, we're actually locals here. We live here. We're all Australians. And I think it's just kind of looking past that and looking past the makeup and the costume it's like we're actually Australians <laughs> on the inside if that makes sense um so yeah that's um so we've been um invited to go over to Indonesia for I think it's a week program where they've just um they're going to sponsor us to go over there learn traditional dances in West Java so I think around Bandung so we'll be learning dances there for about a week and then we'll perform at the end of the program. Laura you're looking forward to this trip? Yeah I guess definitely um there is Another, I am. Um, I guess there is another Australian girl coming, um, and Mira's sister Yana is coming, who's half Indonesian, and another girl Daniela, who is a little bit younger than us, but she's also half Indonesian. Um, and so, yeah, we are like, I guess, an interesting bunch when we get together. But it is really great. I think as well sometimes when we would stand out as being white and then coming into Indonesia and performing these performances but it is a great way to I guess sort of develop those people-to-people relations at a grassroots level and so to just like people are interested so they come up and they talk to us and they say hi you know where are you from and you start talking about what you do and then you know they become interested and just like any kind of initial barrier or thinking that they might have had would be broken. Okay. Yeah. Where do you see this going in future? Because it, it has an organic growth and it started with your mother almost the way you might start a rock and roll band in the early days and then it becomes professional, it gets recognition. You're very well regarded. I've seen the performances and I think they're terrific. Where, where do you see this going you know in the years ahead because it's being a tradition it's obviously not going to disappear in fact it's thriving um yeah I think that's definitely where it's heading in the direction that's definitely my mom's dream as well which is also kind of the meaning behind the word lestari it means forever like to preserve forever so that was her main goal is just to preserve the culture and let it grow and just let people become more aware and she's seen it you know she there's no better feeling is and um, compared to like when you perform and you can see that the audience is actually really appreciating your like you're really entertaining them it feels like you're almost getting through to them and you know they, they like to like talk to you after the dance and you know kind of ask you questions like Laura said and they just become really fascinated it's just like the dance is kind of just an opening for them to kind of like an invitation for them to come and ask us questions and kind of want to know a bit more about Indonesian culture so yeah I think for my mom and for our group that's definitely the direction we're hoping it to you know to go to we're just hoping for the group to grow and it has grown over the years what's interesting is yeah we've seen that the growth in terms of the members um it used to primarily be just indonesian students studying in melbourne who joined the group initially because a lot of them felt homesick and they contacted my mom through the consulate and so that's how they've all grown um they've all come together as a group and they've performed together as a group but over the years we've seen that a lot of the indonesian students are 
it's a bit less less popular for them now. A lot of them have become a bit, for lack of a better word, westernised. They don't seem to want to be too into the culture and perform here. They'd rather just find other activities. But in terms of um, our group members now, I think the majority of them are either Australian or half Australian or, you know, Australian students studying Indonesian. So I think that's quite interesting. So I think maybe the direction is more our group is trying to kind of promote the culture to non-Indonesians, but a lot of non-Indonesians are also involved, if that makes sense. Mira, now your background in Indonesia obviously goes way beyond your parents, but essentially it comes from Ambon, which is a very hard and difficult part of Indonesia, and it was absolutely clobbered by the Boxing Day 2004 tsunami. Uh, have you been back there and can you give us a little bit of uh, direction in the sense of what it's like to come from Melbourne, which is notoriously safe compared with somewhere like Ambon? Um, yep, sure. So I think also my um, going into Ambon, I think I was a little bit nervous, to be honest, because I actually am not quite close to my Ambonese side because I haven't had the chance to go back there since I was a baby. So last year I did have the chance to go back there after about 14 years and um, it was really interesting because I didn't know quite what to expect. And all I knew about Ambon is what I've heard from my parents and what I've seen on TV, which wasn't quite a good image of Ambon at the time. And um, unfortunately, a lot of my family actually passed away in Ambon, not just from the tsunami, but also because of the riots that were going on. There were quite a lot of sectarian riots in the village that my grandpa's from. So between the Muslims and the, of the north and the Christians of the south, I think it was. So um, within those riots, a few of my family members were um, killed and as well as my auntie, my mom's mother, uh, my mom's sister, sorry. And um, because of that, her son we've actually adopted him so last year we finally had the chance to go there it was safe and it was interesting because going back it was just such a foreign place so my grandpa's village is actually two boat, boat rides from the main island of uh, Pelau so it's two boat rides off the main island of Ambon so you can imagine it's extremely remote the villages they all have their water they um they take the water from their local well which is actually a well that my dad actually built in 1990 or something like that so it's, com- it's a completely different environment and um I couldn't help but feel just a bit on edge and a bit unsafe to be honest because I didn't know what to expect and everything I've heard about Ambon in the media and the news it just seemed like there was still a bit of tension there between the Muslims and the Christians of the village and um, after the tsunami there was still um, a lot of buildings like churches and mosques that weren't rebuilt they just kind of left them there so there's a bit of an eerie feeling and being an Australian coming in there I felt like quite foreign even though I know that I'm kind of from there as well like my grandpa's from there my family's there but I just didn't quite feel like I really fit in so yeah it's um uh, difficult notorious it's uh, been through a lot uh, and in the whole concept of indonesia as a sovereign country it's still out there because uh, a lot of the violence wasn't ne- there was a lot of violence between the christian and muslims but much of the violence by gam is actually geared towards independence and they see themselves as not being part of indonesia and if it wasn't for the tsunami the insurgency would probably still be going now ambon as with much of indonesia it's a long way away how did they how did you speak to them about the dance trip did you think of performing there or was it just a little bit too much um to be honest we didn't speak much about the dance group they're aware of it and i was quite surprised I know it's a bit ignorant of me, but a lot of the people in the village did have Facebook and they did see our photos and our dance group photos and they're quite surprised, like, oh, there's a lot of 
uh, what do they call it, white people in your group. So they were quite like, they felt like this sense of pride because as Ambonese, they didn't even perform or dance over there. But to see people like dancing, Ambonese dancing in Australia, were like it just was quite reassuring for them and just really quite humbling because to know that your dance and your culture is being represented like so far away on the other side of the <laughs> globe in Australia is just it's just crazy to even think that because it is this dance that we do dance. We do do an, a Ambonese dance in Melbourne and it's something, it's a dance that's from a very small village in Ambon, very remote. Um, a lot of people don't even know about it. A lot of Indonesians don't know about it. So to see that being performed in Australia on a, like a big stage, mass audiences, it's quite like, it's amazing for them. So the um, power of social media. Yeah. So speaking of which, Laura, how do you see the, the artistic flair, merit of uh, the Lestari girls influencing on Australian culture, the, where the two come together? I mean, you're obviously part of that. I think maybe perhaps it comes down to the fact that there is like a realisation um, in both Australia and Indonesia that we're both two very distinctly multicultural countries. So... And it, yeah, it's really great to see that like there is sort of like an understanding of the level of diversity from both sides. And that does, I guess, come from like a cultural aspect. So like, I think, well, for example, when we were like um, overseas in Indonesia, when um, we were there on exchange, a lot of people were quite surprised that Mira is Australian. Like they were like, oh, like, I think it was your history teacher or something. And, you know, some people kind of questioned like, oh, you know, if, if you're Australian, you know, where are your blue eyes? Like, where's your, like, you know, you should have blonde hair. Like there was such like a sort of stereotype of what an Australian should be. But like, there was just, just like a lack of understanding for the diversity of Indonesia. And it's the same, like on an Australian side, like when we were t talking about before about how like everyone just assumes that the dancing is Balinese dancing but in actual fact it's not like there's just so many different dances and it's sort of yeah coming like art and culture and theatre and dance it's all just yeah a great way to kind of bring that diversity to the forefront. Taking this one step further we, we mentioned before about the uh, the dance but on a wider stage um, from as, as part of a broader kind of theatre performance in Indonesia, can uh, how do you see that working in a sense of the dance troupe here going forward, and how how has that emerged from the past of uh, in Indonesia? And as you're saying, it's a very very different spread across the islands, and it varies a lot. But theatre and performance in Indonesia is quite strong right across the archipelago. And uh, it, I find that most interesting, particularly where that can go. And with the advent of social media, as you just mentioned, in terms of Ambon, uh, it's obviously a, a growth market. Yeah, so in terms of the theatre, um, we haven't quite branched out that far into it, to be honest, because what we've found with Australian audiences is we sometimes have to tailor our dances to suit the Australian audience. So in terms of theatre, we did do one theatre show. It was based on an, a West Javanese myth, a legend called Dayang Sumbi. So we performed that. We did one um, performance of that and we also did one in the Melbourne Arts Centre. What we found with that is it's a bit hard to, uh, with Australian audiences to engage them for a very long time because you can imagine if if you're performing a theatre show 
with with it like using language that is foreign it's very hard to get a, like convey what the message is or like what the story is really about and for australian audiences who don't speak indonesian or whatever dialect we are performing in it's quite hard for them to kind of stay engaged as much as it is very entertaining it's kind of hard for them to kind of follow the story and it's quite a detailed story so what we found with these kind of theater performances is we've had to tailor them so for instance um my mom does a lot of Wayang puppetry, which is just Indonesian puppetry performances. So she has her own uh, screen, her own puppets, and she sometimes even um, she also conducts classes on how to make the wayang. And you know, kids can make the wayang, make their own puppets, and do do their own shows. But with these wayang um, shows, sometimes they can go for oh, maybe twelve hours traditionally. So they're the kind of shows that you just cannot perform here because. I don't think legally people are allowed to retain like an audience for that long to watch a show. So we've had to kind of obviously tailor to the audience. And so my mom's made maybe five minute puppet shows. She's like created characters, like really funny characters. She'll she'll make one Wayang puppet. She'll name it Michael Jackson. She'll name another one like like an Australian icon and just like create a dialogue between the two so that Australian audiences can really be engaged and find it so funny. And like, even though it's not, it is traditional in a sense, but it's just tailored to the culture to make it funny and you can engage them in a certain way. And it goes the same with a lot of our dances that are usually meant to be traditionally 15 minutes. We've cut it back down to five minutes because it just seems more logical. Um, if you're trying to perform it for an Australian audience, they do, sometimes you just cannot expect them to sit there for 15 minutes without really understanding the story behind it. Yeah, I'm part of the... Um art of entertainment is to hold the attention of the audience and if it's too much it's too much and you'll lose them and it's uh, an imprecise science i think but uh, on that note uh, I'll, I'll we're going to wind up shortly and i'll just laura indonesia in august what are your plans for that and afterwards so yeah in august we will be going like we spoke about earlier um with like um, on behalf of the Ministry of Tourism, we will be there with them, um, I think for about five to nine days. Um, it's been planned for something around like that. After that, I can kind of see myself always traveling back to Indonesia for the rest of my life. It's, it's always an interesting experience and I still sometimes can't get over how much I'm still learning. I've been studying Indonesian since I was in grade five and every time I go back, there's still just, you know, so much more that I don't know. And sometimes I feel like, the more I learn, the more I realize how much I don't know. And it sort of, it does motivate you to keep continue to keep understanding, like, you know, why things are the way they are. And dance is a really great medium for trying to understand Indonesian culture, sort of like understanding like their viewpoint on the world. And yeah, it's, it's really good. And Mira? Um, yeah, much the same. I think I travel to Indonesia at least once a year to see family, friends, but also to learn new dances. So when I'm there, I take the opportunity to go to a dance school, go to a local university and learn a dance while I'm there because I figure I may as well um, learn from Indonesians while I'm there and bring it back here and perform here and teach the, the rest of the group as well. So I'm hoping to keep continuing to do that and hopefully stay quite um, involved in the group as it is my mom's group. So it's more of a small family business, but we do it more for the passion, I think, more than anything and more just trying to keep, you know, continue the culture here in Australia. And on that note, I'd like to thank Laura Reinwald and Mira Mullane. Thank you very much, ladies. Thank you. <laughs>